0: This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, An American Story. Written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic.
1: Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. And normally my co-host is our president, Jamar Tisby, but sitting in his chair is a very special guest. And I'm always honored when I can sit across the laptop from this brother, our producer, Bo York. Bo, how are you?
0: Man, I'm excited to be here. You know, every single time we get an opportunity to get together and talk about the kind of subjects we're going to talk about today. I I envision this image that we put out back when we talked about uh, Civil War and Black Panther, where we Photoshopped our heads over Iron Man and Black Panther. Like in my mind, that needs to be the album art every single time oh, we do one of these episodes. Man, that's
1: so good, bro. That
0: was such- it gets like half the downloads, but we we have fun with yeah, it. That's
1: such a good picture, man. That was such a good picture. It's definitely one that I saved and I said, man, I'm gonna have to keep this in a private folder so I can just right, Photoshop myself right. as as, T'Ch- <laughs> as T'Challa, the Black Panther. Listen, guys, we thank you so much for the for the response that we've been getting for the podcast specifically for the last episode, we talked about our top five things, cultural artifacts and things that are getting us through the year. Man, you guys have overwhelmed us with your response and we really appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Dustin Lair for giving us a shout out on Twitter, Jonathan Thomas as well. He mentioned us in his top five podcasts. Um, shout out to uh, Chris Ragsdale, Kevin Lockett, Man, so many of you guys, and actually, there was one. Uh, there was one. There was one listener. He actually sent us his top five. So he sent us his top five via Twitter, and I'm going to read this, and I want to give him a shout out, Chris Frick, and his uh, Twitter handle is at Chris Frick22. He said, "My top five for 2016, in no particular order, it was number one, watching my son grow up, and that right there, that's that's it right there, Chris. Like we could just stop right there. That's so beautiful. Number two, the Glory album by Kristen Gray." Number three, Stranger Things, Woop Woo. Number four, Upcoming Album by Common. And number five, Belief in Fatherhood videos on YouTube from uh, Dream Junkies artist who I mentioned last episode, Belief Melanin. So shout out to you, Chris. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for all the feedback that we've been receiving. Okay, so you guys know whenever Bo comes to the set... You know what we're going to talk about. Don't don't act surprised. We're going to talk about something related to pop culture, movies, comic books, typically TV shows, all the above. But what are we going to talk about today?
0: Oh, it's going to be a sweet Christmas, man. We're talking about Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas.
1: We're talking about the Luke Cage Netflix television show, the 13 episodes that just recently came out. Listen, here's how we're going to structure this. We know it's only been out for a a little over a week or two weeks at the time that this recording will be Uh, released. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit
0: over two weeks, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So man, the time is flying. (laughs) So I'm like, man, I can't, (laughs) I can't remember when we, the thing came out. So anyway, so we're going to structure it to protect you guys from spoilers. If you want to listen to the full episode and get into our spoilers where we have some of our critiques and some of the things that are going on in our minds related to the show, listen to the entire episode. At the beginning, though, it's general. We're going to try to keep it as safe as possible. Um, We may talk about specific characters, but we'll try not to reveal their arc and where they end up and who's the bad guy and betrayal and all that. We'll try to keep that to a minimum as much as possible. No promises though. So fair warning, we might get into light spoilers, but they won't be, you know, season crushing, season ending spoilers. Okay.
0: All right. Let me see if I can follow this because I want to make sure I follow the rules here. So first up front, no spoilers or as low to spoilers as humanly possible, talking more yes. in general themes. Yes. Uh kind of the the impact in a in a broad stance, how we kind of view the impact, the themes from kind of a biblical and, and a gospel centered standard. Uh and then we're going to dive into the, you know, some so-and-so who may or may not have killed so-and-so, who may or not know <laughs> so-and-so, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Okay, got it.
1: We don't want to ruin it for you. I know for me, it's very important that the story is not ruined for me. So I know some people don't care. If, episode if you don't. seven. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Look, gosh. this light that's light spoilers right there.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Look, all I said was episode seven. That's all. It's, that's why I
1: binge-watched, man,
0: Listen, all the way through. I knocked him out in like 48 hours just so I could make sure I was spoiler-free.
1: Yeah, when when you told me that, I was like, man, that is surprising. That is very fast. <laughs> I know you wanted to kind of <laughs> knock it out in, and I think it was 72 hours originally, but then you knocked out in 48. I was like, man, this dude is moving. Yeah, I kind of took some time between the episodes to let him sink in and... There was a part of the show, we'll get into this, in my big substantive critique that I was struggling with. So I wanted mm. to give time to digest and think through and reflect and and pause. So a lot of that motivated me not binging as much as I would have normally, but I still did binge. So I finished it within like four <laughs> or five days. But that for me is pretty slow. If it's a really good show. So anyway... Get into some of both. Tell us a little bit about the the listener comments from the on Mike Facebook group, some of the things that people have been saying. And actually, before we get into that, before we get into that, I just want to hear some of your pros, some of the things that you appreciated about the show. And then we'll get into some of the listener comments from our and Mike Facebook group family.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I know we don't want to, to some extent, even given Luke Cage's origin story in the comics can be somewhat spoilerific. So we don't want to necessarily go too deep into that. But I do, you know, for me, one of the things I really appreciated being kind of a comic book geek is how true to form they were, not just to the character and the characters that surround him, but the era in which the character of Luke Cage was created, Mm, Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people are commenting on how it seems very inspired by black exploitation films yes. and actually the the character of Luke Cage came as kind of a direct result uh, in that era as those films were seeing such success um, you know so seeing that kind of pay homage owning that uh, being very much you know that it's interesting because I've seen Luke Cage I think probably my first interaction with the character in the comics was uh in the series House of M. Do you remember that uh, at all? Do yeah. you remember that? Yep,
1: yeah, I remember House of M, man.
0: That's for me if if I could be wrong on this, but in House of M, Luke Cage was actually leading an underground Avengers organization. Yes. Like there there were no Avengers in that story, but he was the leader of this underground Avengers team. And actually after House of M, he would go on to be a leader of the Avengers as well. So, I, I could be mistaken, but I think my introduction to the character was right about the time that he really became kind of that top tier level hero. Uh, he'd right. always been a, what, what's commonly known as a street level hero with, uh, you know, Daredevil and, uh, and Iron Fist and, and even to some extent, Spider-Man, Spider-Man kind of skirts the line going back and forth. Uh, but ultimately he, he'd been more connected with the defenders and more, you know, hero for hire street level, not necessarily dealing with the big problems but after House of M on, he was an Avenger and in fact would go on, like I said, to, to lead the Avengers for some time. So my experience with the char- the comic book character was, you know, um, at that point in his life, he was married, he had a kid, he was leading the Avengers, but I was also very much familiar with his backstory and with his origins. And so getting a chance to actually experience those in this medium was awesome and it was powerful and not yeah. just powerful because of all of the homages to the the origins of the 70s, but because of how relevant it was to today. Uh, you know, Tyler, when I've been on the show before and, and subjects like this, I mentioned I do another podcast called Panel to Screen, where we specifically do reviews of, you know, comic book, movie, and television properties. And with that, we talked very specifically about how, you know, of all of the Marvel cinematic and television experiences, this is the one that feels the most real mm. because it's dealing with current events, real world. Like it, it brought me back, like the fact that they were so like unapologetic in their approach to real world issues, to dealing with, you know, the, the rise of Black Lives Matter and, and police brutality. Like it felt to me almost like how the comics were forced to deal with 911 right. like Marvel Marvel setting its heroes in New York when 9/11 happened in the real world. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, do we pretend like the the heroes live in a New York where 9/11 never happened, or do we actually make 9/11 happen in the comics? Was what they chose to do here. I feel like with a character like Luke Cage, if you're going to get to his origin, if you're going to be that street level character, if if you're going to be a bulletproof black man in the in the days of Black Lives Matter, you have to own what's going on today. Right. And man, I loved that they did that.
1: Yeah, those are really interesting and we don't want to reveal who Luke Cage is married to, do we? Are we going to reveal that? No. Okay. no I,
0: mean, <laughs> I mean, we can, but, but yeah, that that may be playing out in the, the seasons or, or crossovers to come. I'll leave
1: y'all <laughs> in suspense on that one. You can obviously Google it, but I'll leave you in suspense on that one. Surprise yourself. If you don't know, don't reveal it because it's not who you think. Um, so it, it's, it's very interesting to hear you say that because part of the things that I really appreciate about the show, the overarching thing I appreciate about the show— is that Marvel took some risks. And Marvel took some pretty significant risks with Luke Cage, particularly in the language that they allowed to be used through the show. I mean, the, of the N-word, very openly, very freely. Uh-huh. I mean, I couldn't ever imagine that happening in a Marvel cinematic uh, you know, movie. I can never imagine that happening there. But to introduce that in the Netflix show, being true to the neighborhood, being true to the era, was very refreshing. And it was encouraging to hear Marvel do that. I also um, appreciated the fact that, that it was unapologetically black. So there were, there mm. were black people who were not just operating in white spaces, but there were black dominated spaces. And there was a lot of range with the black characters. So not all the black mm. characters were good. Not all the black characters, um, were, were corrupt. Not all the black characters, specifically the black women, there was so much. Dynamic range between them from police officers to council women to uh, nurses to, to other people who are running things. That was huge. That's very dignifying to see that. I also appreciated, and we talked about this before, but listen, y'all, the music is incredible. I, I can't even, it's never played a role in any Marvel property to the extent that it played a role in Luke Cage. It was amazing. That's right. Just knock down, drag out Rafael Sadiq, uh, Faith Evans, uh, Jidenna. Man, it was, it's just amazing. And, and so if you have the opportunity to get a hold of that soundtrack and listen to that, the Delphonics were in it, the Taking You Back. Oh man, I think if you like old school music, you'll love that. Uh, man, it was, it was just great to hear the music and it became a character of its own. So the music exactly. kind of had this, this subtle character that where you're, you're, it drives the show, even the way that they titled each one of the episodes after a gang star song. It was just beautiful, just the little nods that they're doing to the authenticity of the music and the authenticity of Blackness. And I think the final thing that I would say that I really appreciated was, and this was kind of, I was trying to figure out whether or not it was necessarily all good or if it was something that I was struggling with, but the exploitation element that you mentioned. I really appreciate that it was true to that. It needed black exploitation influences because of the origin of Luke Cage's character, because it was a direct response to movies like Shaft and Superfly in the 70s. But sometimes I felt like maybe that was overdone a little bit. Uh, sometimes I felt like maybe that was a little bit too on the nose. But overall, I appreciated that they didn't try to make it Jessica Jones or Daredevil or another show. As a Black man, this was very authentic. And the overarching aim of the show was authentic. And I could tell that they were not ignoring what was going on currently in our worlds. And they had no idea how relevant they would be with the times of Terrence Crutcher and and others who have just recently come in the past few weeks. But it was very needed for us to see that. And it was needed for us to see Black-dominated spaces. And that's just overall, that's dignifying. You know, if, if nothing else, yeah. that in and of itself is dignifying. Now, getting from the pros, a- explain to me here some of some of the things that you felt they could have done better. Maybe some of the ways in which they could have improved. Some of the, well, see, but we're not talking about spoilers. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Um, so I think I think we can I think yeah. we can say I have a couple that I would say are non spoiler before I get into my big right, critique. You, Do you, you have you have go non-spoiler? first, and if something comes to me, I'll add. Okay, it. the show was too long, Doc. 13 episodes is too oh, but,
0: long, man. Okay, I've seen that. Like like a lot of articles actually today just have been like washing over me talking about it should have been 8 episodes as opposed to 13 episodes. Again, I think that may have to do with what happens in episode 7 more than anything else. To me, I also felt like it was almost like two mini seasons into one, but but expand on that, man. 8 episodes versus 13.
1: Well, if, even if it was 10 episodes, I feel like you're losing some of that fluff, you're losing some of that fat on the edges of the season. We're getting more into the meat. I feel like some of the portions were extended a little bit too far. Some of the portions were extended a little bit too much. And it almost became at a certain point tough for me to continue watching because I felt like it wasn't, the pacing was off a little bit because it normally when you have shows at, at the end of an episode, especially even Stranger Things did this, There would be a big penultimate moment at the end of each episode, a big kind of cliffhanger moment. Luke Cage wasn't really doing that. It wasn't really giving you that big moment that leads you into the next episode. Every single episode. It did that a couple of, a couple of times. And then other times it didn't do that. It was just kind of inconsistent. And so for it to be 13 episodes, I felt like 10 would have been amazing. Eight would have been probably too short due to what happens in the middle of the season but I think 10 would have been perfect. I don't think we needed all the build up to what we got in the end. I think some of that was at the end, you're expecting this huge, you know, climax. And at the end, you don't get the huge climax. and I'm getting into it. but you don't get what you think you're going yeah, to get. A, right. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the, I mean, you're right. You don't want to spoil it, but for all intents and purposes, there's a similar uh, storytelling element to the last episode that there is to um, what battle of the five armies from the Hobbit where it's like, they took like this one thing and then they like stretched it out and then they kind of tacked on like 45 minutes of additional stuff on top of it. So yeah, Yeah. I, 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 I get that. I get, I, it's almost like it climax. The story kind of hit its pinnacle right at 12. Right. And then I agree that it continued yeah. on to the beginning of 13. And then what you got was kind of the rest of, of, you know, the, the going down the hill, which I don't mean down the hill. Cause it's a bunch of good stuff. Yeah, And absolutely. honestly, what you get yeah. in that final episode really sets up one of the characters who this entire season ends up being more about that character's origin. And you're yes. not even realizing it until you get to that moment at the end. But again, yes, like you said, that was special. That spoilers. Was special.
1: So. Yeah, that was, that was good. I really appreciated that. But for for me, I think it would have been perfect if it was a couple of episodes shorter. But again, you know, I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit here. Another thing I will say though is I don't feel like the writing was consistent for the actors. I'll get into more of this in a second as to why in my spoiler section. But I don't feel like the acting. Thinking one in particular. I'm thinking a number of them in particular. Who are you? Th- who are you really? thinking? Okay. <laughs> Who's, whose character well, are you thinking can about? Can you dig it? See, for me, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind. We'll get it. Man, we got to get you He spoilers. was so inconsistent. <sighs>
0: he was so inconsistent. But we'll talk about that in the second half.
1: We'll talk okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But there, was a, there were a couple of other characters that I felt, I understand the way in which they did the dialogue. I think some people have mistaken bad acting for bad writing. I don't think there was any particularly bad actors in this series. I don't think there were bad actors per se. There were a couple Mm -hmm. of actors who didn't do as well as they normally do or as well as they could have done. But overall, the acting was very strong and the performances were very strong, but the writing was inconsistent. So they're working with, I think, an inferior product with how it was written and the way in which some of the lines were written to be delivered. I feel like was a little bit inferior. For the acting level that they were dealing with and for the stars that they had. But you know, that's, that's again, that's a matter of opinion. But a lot of people are saying, Oh, this is bad acting. It's awful. And they don't realize that this is a nod to black exploitation. So a lot of it is going to be over the top. A lot of it is going to be on the nose intentionally. The show is even self aware enough to call certain, certain characters call. Uh, another character corny, like at the end of the show, like you're so corny, right? right? right like right. the show is self-aware, like the show knows what's going on and the show is able to make fun of itself, which I love. And I think that's sign right. that it's smart, but at the same time, I feel like the writing could have been more consistent. And my final critique, and this will lead us into the spoiler section, unless you have some others, but I feel like this show was very, I appreciated that it handled current relevant issues, but I feel like the show was clumsy. And I feel like the show was too on the nose in how it handled those issues. And at certain points, it took me out of the show. And I'll leave it at that. I'll let you guys know we're getting into spoilers right now. So go ahead, Bo. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So before we officially jump into spoilers, I will say this, um, you know, thinking through in terms of broad, because most of my critiques, I have to talk about specific characters and, and points in, in the story. Um, but, but two things that I, that kind of came to me in terms of actually positive things while you're talking was one, you know, you mentioned the music earlier and how the music kind of played a character, yes. you know, with, with that, did you, did you ever watch the, um, and I'm not like a big anime guy, but did you ever watch Cowboy Bebop? No, I did not. Okay. For me, it reminded me very heavily of that is hmm. kind of this space opera Western type deal. It was all, it was all right. anime, but every single episode had a song and that song was almost like a character in each episode and kind of like, like hammered home, like the moments of the episode or the points of the episode that as well as the fact, and this does play into spoilers here in a second, but the way the music explained, I think, or gave you hints at what's going on with one character in particular was hugely powerful. Um, the other thing, speaking of power is I love how they handled Luke as being powerful um, you know, it's, you know, you mentioned kind of wishing they, they had cut back an episode. I would have actually liked to see in the episodes, like maybe more time spent with him just kind of handling things because, you know, with daredevil, whenever, you know, we see him and he's doing all these flips and kicks and he's jumping around the hall and he's taking out an army of bad guys and everything. It's this amazing spectacle and it's a really cool scene, but for Luke, because he's so powerful, it's like. It's that cool, if not cooler, to see him take out a dude with, like, literally two fingers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when he's – again, we're, we're about to jump into spoilers here. Go ahead. But, like, yeah, there's a particular fine. I warned scene.
1: everybody. Like, go ahead. I warned you.
0: Okay. All right, all right. Spoilers. When he's in the scene with Method Man, and, like, he stops the robbery by, like, just tapping the dude on the head, he knocks out. <laughs> I was like, that was awesome. Uh, that was awesome. But it does remind me, man, because, like, you know – there's a scene from, and I know I'm referencing a lot of things. This is kind of the way I think, yeah. uh, but there's a scene from uh, the uh, the animated series Justice League Unlimited uh, at the very end of that series where Superman is fighting this character of Darkseid. And Superman's kind of like lamenting the fact that he always feels like he lives in a world of cardboard, mm-hmm. like he can't actually be himself. You know, his greatest weakness is the fact that he has to restrict himself. And to some extent, that's Luke Cage's, quote unquote, weakness. That's he has to hold back because he's not in this to kill anybody. Right, right. He could easily solve all of these problems immediately. But he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to kill everybody.
1: Right, that's a good point.
0: So getting into spoilers, man, with uh, and kind of on that power note, when they first kind of whipped out this idea of the uh, of the Judas bullet, yeah. I was like, no, 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 you can't, you can't make, you can't make a bullet be the thing. Because like if it's like oh it's like a super powered bullet that takes away until they said Chitari well they didn't say chatari, but until they said it was like alien yeah. tech for some reason that made it okay with me <laughs> like okay well all right it's alien so it's not like of this world and it's in a limited quantity it's not like it's gonna be like this new thing that everybody right, has
1: right yeah that was um, weird uh, that was that was an interesting part and I think some of his lines Diamondback in particular his lines. So, okay, for spoilers, again, I'm going to warn you one more time, and that's it. Okay, so Cottonmouth dies. All right, at the end of of episode seven, (gasps) Cottonmouth is killed by his cousin, and then that sets up the entire second half or second mini-season within one season. And I felt like, personally, that was a good thing. I felt like that was a nice bait-and-switch. I felt like Diamondback was a... What? I felt like it was a nice bait-and-switch. I was sad because... The character I can't say his first name, uh, but his last name is Ali. the The actor who plays Cottonmouth yeah. is the amazing, actor. and so it was. I was sad to see him. So this awesome.
0: was his season, man. He was phenomenal. He was, like that's the thing amazing. with all these Netflix series, you get so much time with all of these characters, and it gives a chance for these villains to shine. And so, you know, he was. I know that Diamondback was the big fight at the end, and. They had this whole relationship between him and Luke, which we'll talk about in a second. But like for me, Cottonmouth, I'm, I'm torn up about the fact that like I, I love how powerful his death was and how unexpected and just as a viewer, it's like, you know, you never know what's coming next. But like then he's gone and he was such a great character.
1: Right. They They kind of killed him in a really ignominious fashion. So it's very... It was almost like it wasn't a a great death, (laughs) you know, when your cousin kills you with a mic stand, you know, it's just like, it wasn't a great Mm -hmm. death for him as well. So it kind of felt, we felt like we were cheated out of a couple of other episodes or a greater arc. I was expecting maybe Diamondback to do it or Shades to do it. And when you see it was just his cousin, it was unexpected. I think that was a really good element and that was intriguing. However, so let me ask you this. You don't like Diamondback as a character, correct? You didn't like him?
0: Well, (sighs) it's not that, I mean, there's a lot that I appreciate about Diamondback. You know, you could tell when he came, uh, especially at the end, he is actually wearing his comic book costume, and, right. you know, as a geek that, that, that made me that, that I loved that part. Um, and you know, the idea of them being related and kind of, you know, this relationship with the father, that's fine, but it's all just very tropey. like, because we had such the complex character of Cottonmouth someone that as you go on you get the sense that this is a tragic character you don't know why but there's something about him i was i was telling you know like i said we were talking about this on the other podcast but there's something about like that scene early on where he is in his office and he is, uh, he's playing the piano and he's got these beautiful women on either side of him. He's literally sitting at the, at on the, on the throne of his kingdom, right? Like this is the pinnacle of power Ooh. that he has established for himself. He's amassed all this money. He's got everything that worldly goods can have. And yet he's sitting there and he's playing this music and it's almost like he's in this trance of like trying to get away of everything that's around him, of who he's becoming himself, and you you get that from just this one little moment scene. And then whenever anybody's performing, be it just in the club or, or like they're they're rehearsing or, or practicing, they're trying to get in. Like he just stops everything. He's like exposition can wait. I want to hear this, and the music calls to something that's inside cottonmouth that you can't yet see until, of course, episode seven comes, we get his origin story and you find out about all this promise that he had. And, you know, this, the way that he was kind of pulled into this life and kind of, you know, crafted into this villain. But, and then as soon as you know that, then he's gone, then he, then he dies. But he's such a tragic character and such a powerful villain in a way that we really haven't seen from any other villain in either Netflix or, or. Have you
1: seen Boardwalk Empire at all? It was, Okay. So there was an HBO show called Boardwalk Empire. I'm not recommending you go watch it, but I did watch it. And the guy who plays Diamondback played another character. It's a mob show. It's basically a Prohibition era drama, and it's kind of mob based. Mm. And he plays another character called Dunn Pernsley. And it's striking how similar, if Dunn Pernsley had his own show, and if Dunn Pernsley was the boss, (laughs) it would be Diamondback. So Uh when I saw that, I said, hmm, this is really interesting for people who haven't seen. And I think for us, for for those of us who have seen Boardwalk Empire, we probably would look at it and say, oh, okay, well, this is interesting. This is Dunn Pernsley. But for other people, they would say, this is really over the top and this is strange.
0: It's so all over the place. Like The way that he was acting, and again, maybe if he was like the villain of the whole season and it was all about him as opposed to, you know, Cottonmouth kind of outshining him a little bit. But he came on and you're like, okay, is he crazy? Like he's, you know, is is he like this joker or no, but he's like this mob boss, but like what's his infrastructure? And then he comes in. Oh, but wait, he's related to Luke. That seems, I feel like we should have known some of this, but we're just now finding this out and then, Oh, his motivation. And this is really what kind of bothered me to some extent, which was, Oh, our daddy loved you more than he loved me. And now I'm going to kill you like that. That seemed so very tropey Bro, but, after the complex. Very that biblical.
1: I mean, very, a, a biblical tension, you know, the Cain, the Cain and no, Abel-esque tension of of favoritism and in, in the Jacob and Esau tension. It's just, I feel like that was, there was an undercurrent of you know theme there with their relationship as brothers, you know, even the, Repeating statement of I am my brother's keeper or am I my brother's keeper? And you know, they got a little corny at the end there. But for me, okay, let me get into my big critique because I think it kind of ties into this. Yeah, go for it. And this is something that I think has implications for broader culture. So I can't get into my critique without addressing a critique that the show has been that has been levied against the show frequently in the days immediately following as people were watching. And as enlightened, woke, quote unquote, people were watching it. And the critique is that Luke Cage is a black conservative. That Luke Cage is a black conservative character. Now, number one, there's nothing wrong with that if he is, okay? If he is a black conservative, there's nothing wrong with that. He's
0: not in the comics that I'm aware of.
1: Right. And that's really interesting because I don't think there's sufficient evidence to prove that he is. I don't think there's sufficient evidence for that. And, and it, it shocked me because the main thing that people were saying is that Luke corrects the N-word. And Luke is, you know, he has these, these tinges in these- whoa, Wait, m- whoa, what? Well, and so here's, but see, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I would say is how would we say that Luke Cage is a uh-huh. black conservative or, or a proponent of respectability or when he was a victim of systemic injustice, when he was a victim of being wrongly accused, Mm -hmm. when he was a victim of a system that assumed his criminality. There's no evidence for that, right? But here's what I think is the, and this is my big critique, and I think this is why people say that, is Marvel, in trying to create the symbolism of a Black man in a hoodie who's bulletproof, it took itself and the symbolism... A little bit too far and too serious. So they made Luke Cage this expansive, broad picture of blackness and it ended up being too much to fit into one character. So when I was watching Luke Cage, I saw all these layers to him and there's nothing wrong with layers. We like layered superheroes. We like layered characters in anything that we watch and anything that we read, but it seemed to be too much. So Luke is a pastor's kid. And then he's a, a former sheriff. And then he's a wrongly accused prisoner. And then he's a victim of injustice. And then he's this blue collar worker who's working two jobs. And he's this history buff and he reads Ralph Ellison books and he likes hip hop and he's a ladies man. And it, it was just, it was just too much. I was on overload. I was like, why do you feel like? You just described Tyler Burns. I don't
0: know why you had a problem with that.
1: Know, I didn't. Yes, that's what you just described, was Tyler Burns. I've never been to prison, so there you go. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me clear that up. And I've never been in law enforcement. Anyway, but what's what's interesting is I don't mind any one of us who are black can be any of those things. But it felt like Marvel was feeling, or the writers were feeling force to make him all of those things. And it felt Uh. synthetic. It it didn't feel authentic. It it felt like I wasn't watching a true organic representation of a Black man. It it made me feel like they they were trying so hard and straining so hard for him to be a symbol that they had to make him all these things. They had to throw in all these unnecessary elements. And and I said, why can't he just be a bulletproof Black man who has a past? Of himself he is a symbol. In and of himself, he, he is a he is a representation. But I feel like they try to do so much with that that sometimes and this is I guess my broader critique kind of bring it into um the church world, but I think there is this expectation of black men and women who are in predominantly white spaces or who are the elite or who are the ones who are even in the church and ministry, to be these exceptional, broad, balanced representations of all that is Blackness. And it made me frustrated watching it because I'm saying, this is how it feels sometimes to be in a space and and people expect you to be the highest representation of everything about us. And it's like, well, you don't have to be that. You know, that's not there's a burden there. And I feel like the writers wrote with a burden that many of us feel, which is that we have to be twice as good as everyone else. And I don't think I don't think that was the pressure with uh with Daredevil's character or Jessica Jones's. Char- I don't think that was the pressure there. But I feel like Marvel was saying, this is such an important moment. And, and, and Mike Coulter, the guy who plays Luke Cage was saying, I recognize how important this is. And, and I feel like they did too much. It's like, well, you, you, re- you can represent it without all that. You're okay. Like we, we recognize that. So for me, I felt discomfort because I said they're expecting him to do and be too much, even as a superhero. And, and at the end of the day, he's human. And can we get more of his humanity? Can we get more of him not trying to change everyone's perspective, but him just being a man in this culture while trying to save the city? You know, so that was my big critique. And I know some people may disagree, but I felt I felt discomfort from that. So,
0: I mean, I get where you're, where you're coming from. And I, you know, to to the extent that I'm able, but sure. At the same time, two things. One is, you said that you don't think that Daredevil and Jessica Jones had that same kind of pressure on them. Probably not on Daredevil's side. Uh, The only pressure they had is getting over that Ben Affleck movie. But Jessica Jones, I would actually argue, maybe not to the same extent, but definitely had its own pressures and expectations of what they wanted to do with that character as Marvel's first, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, first super-powered uh he, both both super, first superpowered female and first uh female character superhero with with a leading title and somebody who's done in not the traditional um you know uh, fim f- fatale type of way uh, especially given her past and as a survivor of what she she went through specifically so i mean like it's it's one of those things where I I hear what you're saying, but I do think that there is to some extent in a very different way pressures on Jessica Jones. So I wouldn't cast that in the same way uh as, as Daredevil. But you know did they say he was a sheriff? I don't remember that part.
1: Yeah, they changed his origin story. So they said he was a former sheriff. They say he was a former it was law enforcement previously. Okay, see I I didn't even I didn't even catch Yeah, that, they so. said that that was making me say why do you have to change his origin story? Anybody who knows the Luke Cage origin story knows that he was a petty criminal, that he he grew up with Willis Stryker doing crime and then he reformed himself as he recognized that it was hurting his family, but the the falsely the false accusations that Stryker, aka Diamondback brings against him are while they're not doing the right thing. He's not totally innocent. He references that a little bit in the show. But when I found out, man, they're making him a cop. Like, why? You know, like I don't, I, I didn't understand it. Like, why does he have to be? Why can't he be that complex character? Why can't he be that person who, who did receive superpowers but was in jail and probably should have been in jail for other things? But he can still be a hero. Yeah, you know, I just didn't. I, I, it just. It made me feel uncomfortable. Now, I will say with Jessica Jones, especially with what that says about sexual assaults and, and abuse, Mm -hmm. it was a very meaningful show. It was a very powerful show. And it meant a lot to watch that, you know, from that perspective. So I will concede that point. Daredevil, I mean, it's just a fun show. You know, people get into it. There's layers, but it's not as much. It doesn't feel the urgency. I don't think of making a public statement as much as Luke Cage and Jessica Jones would. But it just felt synthetic, man. It didn't feel, can we be us? I felt like T'Challa in Black Panther. I don't, I love representations. And I think sometimes as in the Black community, we can become drunk off of symbolism. And especially in the emerging woke community, (laughs) even doesn't matter, you know, what ethnicity you are, we can become drunk off of symbolism, right?
0: That's not just the black community. That's just that's human it nature, is, man. Right?
1: And like, so we become we're like, oh. And I've heard it a thousand times. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it because I think it's powerful. I, it is powerful. The idea of a bulletproof black man in our society in 2016. It's powerful. I I, I don't deny that. But at the same time, I'm sitting back saying, is it? Are we just going to stop at symbolism? Can we be us authentically? And I felt like Luke Cage wasn't authentically him. I felt like he wasn't authentically who he was supposed to be. And I'm not saying authentically black. I I I think that's a misnomer. I just don't think he was authentically who he was. And I think what most of us want more than symbolism, especially if we're relating this to a context of racial reconciliation, racial justice, we want more than symbolism. But symbolism is so often where we start, where we say, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's come and hug. I love you. You're my brother. And then we stop at that went to the same seminary or went to the highly touted place. Not everyone has the same credentials. Can we just be us and still be accepted? And I felt like they they had to, in this strategic place, make him a character that would be accepted by the masses. And I felt like that robbed us of the opportunity just to have complexity.
0: Wait, when you say by the masses, what do you mean?
1: So I think as a Marvel property, this is the tension that I think a lot of people were feeling because Luke Cage is specifically written from a black lens. It's not written from a white lens. It's not written with the white gaze in mind. And I think most people are attracted to Marvel properties because it's so popular. And I think there are a lot of people who are who are zooming in, tuning in, and saying wild things because they don't recognize and understand what they're trying to do. They don't recognize and understand the power of a Black superhero on a street level, getting his own show with a Black-led cast. They don't understand that. That's foreign to them. And so I think Marvel couldn't make him as woke (laughs) and couldn't make him as, as complex as he actually is in the comics because people may not understand that and embrace that and accept that. Luke really is, and I've heard somebody say this, and I think they're they're right. He's just the most likable character. You want to root for Luke Cage? He's just a good guy. You know, when you when you look at it, you're like, hey man, I want to root for this guy. I don't really get that feeling with Daredevil I and mean, Jessica Jones to an extent, but he's probably the most likable of those characters so far, and one That's of the true. most likable superheroes that we've seen. And I feel like they 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 sanitized him a bit. And, and I don't, I don't like, I don't like that. I I just, I don't like that. Why do you have to sanitize our complexity? Yes. He likes method, man. Cool. But he doesn't have to be a history buff and talk about Christmas addicts and, and like hip hop. He doesn't have to do that. If that's natural to him, that's cool. But it just didn't, it didn't feel natural, man. I
0: guess so. I don't know. It did. So that didn't bother me, but, um, but at the same time, like, you know part of it too is my my experience with the character came from a very like much later on in his life you know what i mean so like my my ties right. to the character from my comic book experience aren't as tied directly to his origins and so i wasn't as i guess sharp-eared at, at picking up some of those uh some of those back end stories and also like when he was reading the stuff i was like i didn't I didn't know what he was reading. I'm not very well read. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. There were so
1: many little references to like literature books. And I just like, man, what? Like is it are guys really? I mean, are we really it, it's not, and it's that's again, that's not to say he can't, because in a subtle way I can be denying his complexity by complaining about that. That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm saying is it felt inauthentic, it just felt random. He's this guy, he's like, hey, Ralph Ellison, he's just sitting up there reading the invisible man. It's like, well, I mean, (laughs) okay, but but why? You know, like if there's a reason for that, if it naturally leads to that, or if that's built upon Okay, I see what you're saying. You know, or if it's built upon to where where he's like, Oh, so I feel like they were trying to counter all these stereotypes. See, well, he's a former he's a former law enforcement officer. See, he was unjustly, he was, see, he reads, see, he likes hip hop too. See, I'm like, man, guys, like, it's okay. You don't have to do that. And I feel like that was more explaining of ourselves than necessary. And again, relating this to our current Christian culture, because I'm not just saying this, I'm not mentioning this just merely because of a television show, a fictional character. I feel like there's so much sanitization that has to happen When we enter into spaces, we have to explain ourselves and qualify ourselves. And the explaining and the qualification is proof of the racialized society. And it's proof that we're still trying to prove to people that we can be dignified and complex all at the same time. And that's okay for us to be dignified and complex. It's okay. And we're not condoning, you know, we're not condoning us to have a poor story, have a bad origin or have, you know, skeletons in our closet. But what I am saying is I feel like we have to to dress ourselves up and present a particular portion of ourselves to the world that we have to to be accepted, yeah. especially even in Christian circles. And I just feel like that's unnecessary. And when I saw it, I'm like, not Luke Cage, man. Not a <laughs> cage. Anyway.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I you know, I didn't have the knee-jerk reaction there, but that's it's good to know that perspective um you know obviously what they did was very specifically taking like they separated luke cage into two characters right like his he was pops and he was luke cage yes and uh yeah that's good i didn't have that lens before and now you've ruined it for me so thanks no
1: for that. no awesome. man like i could be yo i want to hear what you guys think i could be tripping i could i could definitely be tripping it's okay like if if you think i was i'm off my rocker It's all good. If you identify with me, let me know. Pat me on the back. Let me know I'm not crazy. (laughs) But (laughs) I was, you know, it's funny. I was trying to pinpoint it. What is off? What is off? What is off? And I'm thinking, why does he have, why does he have to do all this? You know, why does he have to do all that? It just seemed, I don't know. It just seemed too much. It seemed over the top. But I do want to acknowledge that we had a number of people in our Pastor Mike family to leave some comments and Bo, you want to read some of these comments, people who are enjoying the show, have some thoughts on the show. Definitely want to give you guys a shout out.
0: Yes. Let me pull this up right here. Um, and while I'm pulling it up, I I will mention, you know, one of the things I thought you were actually going to comment with that was kind of with the last episode in particular, how they ended it with kind of this long exposition, kind of uh, tying it directly into what was going on today. And I thought you kind of did that for the last 13, 12 episodes. Uh, in a not so subtle fashion. So maybe, maybe the, the monologue at the end was, you know, I don't know how necessary it was, but at the same time, it made me kind of consider the fact that, you know, nobody seems to ever pay attention, no matter how loud anybody's shouting. So right. one more time for the people in the back might not be a bad idea. Listen,
1: listen, listen. The, and this is a great point because this really ties into what, man, this really ties into what I was just saying at the end. What does Luke Cage do? He, he models redemptive suffering. He models redemptive nonviolence. Well, you have to kill me. That's a direct Dr. King-esque, like, and again, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. It just seemed too on the nose. It seemed like they had to, man, well, he's got a, he's got a model non, I'm not going to fight you. You have to kill me in front of all these people. It's like, that's, what? Like, that's a joke.
0: Man, come on! You're, you're. I, I get you want this to be either more or less based on what what you're saying. To some extent, you want it to be less so that it can be more, but at the same time, that's a general like superhero tropey throw down the weapon. You know, I'm not going to fight
1: you, Star Wars. You know, oh yeah, for sure, yeah. No, and others have definitely used that, but I felt like it was so reminiscent of of this nonviolent approach at the end, where it's like I'm gonna, I'm not going to fight you. Anymore, it's like, man, why? Why? You know, we don't have to. We, that doesn't have to be. He's he's super strong, man. Let the man fight. Let the man vanquish evil. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know. And and in the end, he did. But at that moment, I'm sitting back. Even at the end, where he's in the monologue, and he he he's in the monologue in the police office. And I'm sorry, y'all. I really did like this show, but this was just bothering me. And he just feels like he has to do all of, he's like, don't be a snitch. And, and if you see wrong, don't profile us. It's like, oh, man, he doesn't have to say all that. He doesn't have to. And so I feel like the show, and, and, and again, this will be proven in the future episodes. And as they expose it on the character more. I feel like the show doesn't have to do that. And maybe in a year or two years from now, the show won't feel the need to do that. And so we'll see more natural reactions from him. We'll see stuff that actually, you know, validates our dignity, actually affirms it. And, and we see his complexity and people embracing it. But. For this, I just felt like it was so heavy-handed. So I don't know. Man. I might write an article so on Tyler
0: it. Burns. Tyler Burns leveling the hate on Luke Cage. Man. I mean, you got to remember, and you and to say to all fairness, I mean, you did acknowledge this in the beginning with all of these series. Even though the title hero is obviously important. Like it's all about the ensemble. Absolutely. And so I think you do get like everything, or not everything, but most of what you're saying, like leveraged against Luke's cage as one individual character is really kind of drawn out. in all of these other characters, be it pops, be it Misty. We didn't even get into really all the, the ex, like the additional characters, Misty right. Knight, dude, yeah. I want her yeah, when she, when she got shot in the arm, I thought she was going to lose it and get a robotic arm. And one last thing, cause I do want to get to the feedback here, but, um, I mentioned because I mentioned it earlier in, in this episode. I, uh, this entire series, while yes, obviously Luke Cage and everything else was going on, you don't really realize it until the end, but it's Black Mariah's origin story. Yes it is. You know what I mean? Like yes, she's is. she's dealing, you know, with kind of, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm I'm going to be political, like I'm in the political space, I'm going to do this the right way, but I'm going to have to use kind of, you know, the the back-end ways of getting things done, but I've got like a better vision for the way that Harlem can be. And then, you know, as she goes on and kind of has that You know, Anakin Skywalker death moment, whatever it is, like it's it's that, you know, turning to the official dark side, like she she exits the gray and goes officially into kind of being that villain. And as your favorite character, Shades is there to to kind of consult with her,
1: (laughs) (laughs) a.k.a. the devil.
0: (laughs) He he brings her along until in the very end in that scene where she's being interrogated and Misty steps out, gets that phone call and she comes in there and you don't even as an audience know how in control she is until that moment. And that's like the, the Michael Corleone, like, like, Oh my gosh, she's the godfather. Like this, 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 like she just became this, this huge force that she's been this entire, like, especially the last half of the season. It just hadn't been focused on that. So I'm really interested to see where she comes in, uh, in, season two and uh and yeah I, I i'm yeah tyler 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 i really enjoyed it man i really enjoyed luke cage and maybe that's hey, part man. of the problem is that they made me enjoy him too much <laughs> maybe i shouldn't have enjoyed nah,
1: him like i'm too not so saying good. look look guys you can you can enjoy luke cage like i'm again like i really enjoyed it i just feel conflicted about it that was as soon as i cut All it right. off I just felt conflicted, and there were there were parts that were amazing. I just felt conflicted. Anyway, feedback Fair from enough. the Pastor Mike family.
0: Fe- feedback from the group. All right, so here's what we got. We've got. Uh M Montel or Montrell saying outside of being racist and its lack of diversity, <laughs> sarcasm, total sarcasm, total sarcasm. Uh, he says it's true to New York culture. Episodes are named after gangster uh, songs, appearance from Dapper Dan and Method Man. He said number two, it has a dope storyline and is filled with twists and turns. And number three, said, it's a pretty decent bar for you know the Black Panther film.
1: Yeah, uh, Tyler disagrees. No, Tyler yeah, disagrees. I, I feel I feel that, but I just you know. I think Black Panther is going to be some y'all can't even imagine. Like,
0: see, you're putting all this pressure, man. No,
1: I'm just. Pressure. We're going to come back here in
0: a year, and you'll be like, oh, well, why? It's why so why did T'Challa have to? Why did he have to play nah, video man. games? And why did he have? Why all of a sudden is? Why? Why? Why do we get to uh, Wakanda and
1: everything's got to be handcrafted <laughs> and gluten-free? Like, what, what? both throwing shade right now. Both throwing shade <laughs> at me.
0: All right, we also got on here. I'm skipping down. Rodney uh, Martin, who actually has uh, T'Challa as his uh, as his avatar. Shout out to you
1: guys. Man. Shout out to Robbie.
0: He says, I like this show. Uh, It was real interesting. Fleshed out minority female characters. I like the betrayal of of the... Betrayal? I think it means portrayal. I like the betrayal of different minorities in different situations, living life with all its complexities. Yeah, I think there
1: was, and and I was I was looking at that, I was like, do you mean betrayal or portrayal? But I think either one could be true. Cause I mean it was it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty diverse there for sure.
0: Fair enough. It's complexity complexities and moments of beauty. I liked that he had the power to kill, but he did not. I like the social conscious. I liked that it was social conscious. I did not like uh, that they kill they killed off Cottonmouth. I hated Diamondbacks power suits. I disagree with you on that one, man, because that's right out of the comics. You just got to you gotta love it when they do this comic book. Right, ones. right. Uh, and then finally, he says, I, I love seeing a black hero in a black city. That's cool. Yeah, that is. Uh, He represents the many unsung heroes in minority neighborhoods that no one knows mm-hmm. about outside of those communities. The media usually does not look for those heroes, uh, but they are they are there fighting the good fight. Uh, the media will talk about how nothing is being done and how crime, in particular, a neighborhood uh, or, or specifically crime in a particular neighborhood, but they don't do the research to find truth. They just see the narrative as re to the hurts, pains and anger of a forgotten yeah. people. Luke Cage reminds us as Ty Tribbett said, it's good in the hood. And this little piece of art demonstrates this in an entertaining and yet profoundly beautiful way.
1: Well you don't know who Ty Tribbett is. Dude. He's a gospel singer, by the way.
0: Okay. You, why don't you, why don't you drop the bar then? Go ahead. Like, like, no,
1: no, he's, ai uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that on the podcast, uh, <laughs> next time, but I may sing Amazing Grace or something, but thank you guys so much for all this feedback. Man, this Absolutely. was really encouraging. I know we're talking about it in the Pastor Mike Facebook group. You listener can join the Pastor Mike Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com, mm-hmm. type in pass the mic and then request to be put in. We'll put you into the group and then you can have more of these conversations. If you guys think we're absolutely crazy in what we said, or if you want to say, give your thoughts, you want to say what you agreed with, what you disagreed with, very easy to follow us and write us on Twitter at underscore Pastor Mike is the show's Twitter handle. Also, my Twitter handle is at Burns23. Direct all your hate mail to at the real Bo York. Um, so, no, Twitter. no, you know, you know who it's to come on at Burns 23 uh, or, or let's just say this at Jamar Tisby. Uh, so there, there, it we is, there it is. go. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We want you to rate and review us on iTunes. Also want you to download the Satchel app as well. That's the only way I listen to podcasts and it's the only way you should listen to podcasts, particularly Pastor Mike. So many options. Continue to follow us at Randnetwork.org, putting out great material, great Uh, articles on a number, wide range of topics, not just pop culture, not just things like Luke Cage, but much more serious, much more substantive things like theology, uh, like politics, like culture in general, like reconciliation, adoption abortion, all these things that are very important for us to discuss and for us to have a biblical framework of. We want you guys to follow that, especially we want you to follow as well the We Persevere updates that uh, Dr. Karen Ellis continues to give on the persecuted church so many things going on right now with the persecuted church. Do not turn a blind eye to that. Even in our first world's problems Mm -hmm. and privileges that we have, we we cannot forget the persecuted church. That is a direct command of scripture. So guys, follow us in all those ways and support us. And we're so thankful for this family that can join us every week. So Bo, do you have anything else to, to add to that?
0: Now, uh, if you want kind of a, a little bit more of a lighter discussion, although spoiler heavy, uh, on uh, on Luke Cage and any of these superhero franchises, uh, check it out, paneltoscreen.com. Uh, Such a good podcast. Also, we should probably have mentioned this at the top of the show, but you know, given the the language, violence, and adult nature of a lot of the scenes, past the mic is not necessarily endorsing going out to see these Netflix shows. However, yeah. I, I think it's a great great series.
1: Yeah, just just FYI, I mean, there's one scene. There are a couple of scenes in the first episode of Blue Cage that would be of a, of a more sexual nature, yeah. and then from there it kind of moves away from that. For the most part. So just FYI to that, you guys um, should know. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you soon on the next Pass Pass the the mic. Mic.
0: You've been listening to Pass the Mic a podastery production to find out more about this and other shows visit that's podastery.com that's p o d a s t e r y.com this episode is brought to you in part by ministry pivot with russell saint bernard this podcast features important conversations with industry leaders such as nona jones bishop walter scott thomas reverend dr
1: nicole martin and so many more Visit ministrypivot.com or on all streaming platforms.